We all have dreams. Some people seem to live theirs while others seem to struggle. This is, however, merely a perception. What if you could get the answers you needed to execute on your dreams? Welcome to the Platinum Mask Podcast, a show designed to ask various young professionals just how they deal with their specific ups and downs. How does one young upstart navigate competing with name brand companies? Where do we get the best tools? How do we grow from our stress and anxiety? Most importantly, how do we properly utilize our cash flow? The Platinum Mask Podcast with your host, Grayson Mask. We wanted answers, so we're going out to get them and sharing them with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello to everyone listening to That Planet Mask Podcast. I am Grayson Mask. I have with me Cindy Moore of Creatives Unite. And this was an organization, um, you know, I was seeing it kind of featured on a few different blogs and um, overall interviews. And it was something I wanted to kind of ask about because it was an organization that was kind of founded on two really aspects which was art and activism. And I wanted to have that conversation just because really with 2020 being so huge for both fields, um, I did a, you know, a, a Platinum Mask blog post about art and just, you know, how it affects the creative pro- process when we're going through a pandemic, but also just activism, you know, the amount of, um, you know, rallies and protests um, that I was seeing popping up throughout 2020. It was kind of just, uh, you know, really wanted to have the conversation on where we are as far as, you know, culturally and just from an art standpoint. But thank you again, Cindy, for, you know, hopping on this episode and having this conversation about, you know, what you do on your end. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, for sure. I guess I wanted to first ask, um, really, when when I was kind of going through your LinkedIn profile, I know you're uh, a teacher by day, but, you know, I was kind of saying, your past work with uh, City of Louisville and Louisville ISD. And I, I kind of want to ask, like, uh, uh, I saw you started out on dropout recovery and, um, you know, at Louisville ISD, and, and uh, I didn't know what that meant. So if you want to give me a, you know, quick background on uh, if, if you're doing anything before, I guess, the art world. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, when I first started with the district, I was in their dropout recovery program. Basically, what that meant was I would get a list of kids that were considered at risk, um, basically students that were at risk of failing the grade or not graduating. So my um, goal was to be able to connect with them and find ways for them to be motivated to continue with their studies. Um, And most of the time, we found that a lot of these students, it wasn't because they didn't want to graduate. It was just life, right? Life was happening to them. probably things that were more unfair um, than other students were experiencing at the time. And I started to notice this trend that um, if art, any type of art, whether it was music or theater or visual arts, if that was something that was um, on the table for them to be able to come back, they were more willing to move things around and make it happen. And I noticed that, wow, art has this really um, powerful, amazing Um, impact on these students. And I started to change my idea of like, okay, I think I want to be a general educator to an art specialist because I started to see um, just how it was affecting them emotionally and physically and mentally. And so I knew that there was something really beautiful in that and I wanted to continue to study it. So that's why I went back to college and I got my, Mm -hmm. um, I ended up getting my master's in art education. Um, And it's just been 
I, I haven't looked back since. It's been one of the best decisions I ever made. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, that's really wild to hear kind of with uh, with dropout recovery. So was that, I guess, was one of the, the bigger solutions that helped? So uh, you kind of talked about um, art being alternative. So does that mean like you guys would be able to offer, you know, more art electives to people interested, uh, you know, if they... Um, you know, if they kept up with their attendance or how did that work? If it, if it piqued their interest, it was one of the things we brought up with our counselor and we would work together and say, okay, um, so-and-so is willing to go to night school if this class is offered. Okay. We can make it happen. Um, it was trying to, it, it was mostly identifying a way to meet them in the middle because we knew that a lot of them had crazy expectations of them. A lot of them were young parents or they were homeless or um, they had to work because they had to provide for their family. Um, so being able to provide mm-hmm. an alternative for them, and, and which is what I'm so grateful to the district that I work for because we do have so many options available to them, um, was a great way to meet them in the middle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you kind of touched up on, you know, your master's at Boston University when you're kind of uh when, when you saw that you wanted to go into the art world, is there, I guess, a lot of prerequisites or a lot of similarities in just getting an art degree versus an art education degree? Um, is it, you know, is it completely different paths? Is it like pretty similar as far as, um, you know, being able to uh, paint versus teaching people how to paint? So um, when I did my undergrad, um, I did the same classes that a like fine arts student did. So I still did painting and sculpting and all of those amazing classes, but I also had to do what uh, educators had to do. So I had to take on the educate, you know, the education classes and classroom management and all of these things. So I think they're parallel. Um, I had to kind of dive into both worlds. So the art world, just as an artist and also into the educator world. Um, and i you know, and I think my art teacher friends would agree with me, especially here locally. Um, there are two worlds, but we have to merge them together. We have to kind of create this identity that's like, I am both an artist, but I'm also a teacher. So how do I manage that? How do I um, present that to our students? So when I went into my master's program, um, it wasn't so much that I got to do studio classes. I mean, I still got to do, um, you know, some amazing but I still got to work with some amazing materials and things like that, but it was mostly um, about contemporary art and like what's happening in the world and activism and leadership and mm. how art can give back to the community. Um, and that's really what I was just drawn to. And so when I was talking to my family, like, Hey, I think I'm going to go back and go to grad school. They were like, okay, you know, if this is what you really want to do, um, do it. And I said, yeah, because there's so many gaps in the world and art is, is this, powerful thing that brings people together and it allows us to recognize things that are happening in the world uh, without really saying anything because it's all most of the time it's visual right so you feel it you see it it's a representation um and so my grad program at boston university was incredible because i did get to kind of dive into this world of like what's happening um how can we change it Mm mm-hmm no uh, and i kind of wanted to touch up on um you kind of talking about with your parents um you know talking about your master's degree at boston university and this was kind of a question i brought up um when i did an interview with uh the gallery owner uh the owner of the muse art space which was kind of on 
you know, if you have any tips or advice or anything to say to anyone, maybe getting an art degree, um, because there is that conversation on you want to do what you love, but also, you know, you have to make sure, you know, you got to be able to be able to pay the bills you know, in, in situations. So it's kind of, uh, you know, if you have any, I guess, anything to kind of mention on that for anyone possibly going into college and, you know, that's what they're 100% passionate about, but they're not, you know, sure if they can, you know, be able to pay the bills and there's right. whatever their specific sculpting right. or painting or, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, you know, the advice that was given to me um, from my family just in general was like, we, we support you if you want to do art, that's great. But what's the backup plan? Um, <laughs> and I think that's common for a lot of people. Um, but I knew I wanted to be an educator. So I knew that for me, that was, that was marrying both worlds. Right. But I, like some of my students now, I try to tie in art careers into every lesson that I do. Um, because I do believe that art has a place. It's not usually like about an end product. It's not like, Oh, I completed this painting. I want to be in a gallery for some people. It is, they want to be professional artists. And I say, if you want to do it, go for it. You know, we live in a time now where we have these social media platforms where it's so much easier to share work and support each other and build community. Um, but there's other things too um, in the job market for art. You know, there's illustrator, photographer, animator, graphic designer, curator, printmaker, uh, prof- you know, uh, professor, uh, teacher, uh, producer, director. And I think if you are willing to say, okay, this is my purpose, this is my passion. Um, let's just say video directing, for example, like you love editing videos. Okay, you can go do that. Um, but how? How can you do that? How can you turn that into a career? So I think it's about taking time to really walk through your goals and your dreams and your aspirations and saying, okay, here's my end goal. How do I get there? And then just kind of working your way through there. Because I do think it's possible. I think it's possible for anybody to be anything that they want to be as long as they are willing to um, believe in themselves enough to take a risk. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And um I wanted to ask on, you know, really with the marketability of a fine arts degree, do you, or I guess, are you optimistic or pessimistic on, I guess, the future of that? Because I, I kind of sometimes think it the number of fine arts degrees, I feel like it's going down, but then I see, well, it's, you know, it seems like there's, with graphic designing and other uh adaptations to fine arts it seems like there's possibly more opportunities upcoming in the future uh kind of want to get your viewpoint on that um i'm optimistic i think uh for a while there there was a lot of people who were like well i don't need college you know i'm just gonna uh, make art and do the thing and and they've been successful in that you know and that's their career path that's their choice um and then you have other people um i'm a first generation college grad. So when I had the opportunity to go back to college, I was like, I'm going to take it. You know, I worked three jobs and I paid for college myself. Um, but that was because I had a goal. Like I couldn't be an educator without a degree, you know, like to me, I was like, okay, this is my end goal. I'm going to work to get there. Um, I'm optimistic because I do see now a, like a surge in people. Like I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I'm going to go to college. Um, especially some of my students from high school that I, when I was teaching, um, previously before I get so excited when they email me and they share their pictures with me and they're in college and they're like, look, my son, look what I'm doing. I'm so excited. Um, 
And it's not so much that they're going into an art career. It's that they're going to college and they're doing something that for so long has not been available to many people, you know, because there's so many things that get in the way. Um, And so I do feel optimistic. I do feel that people are starting to say, okay, I have an opportunity and I'm going to take it. Um, But to those people who are unconventional and decide, well, I don't want to do college. That's great too. I mean, if that's working for you and you're happy with that decision, I support that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think I, uh, you said um, you're kind of talking about uh, really your touch up with some of these students. And I wanted to ask on, uh, I I think you already mentioned, but like which grade do you, teach? So currently I'm at, I'm, um, I teach elementary at a STEM Academy. So I have kinder all the way through fifth. So I see about 600 students. So I see, um, I basically see one teacher for each grade every day for a four day rotation. So I see them every four days. Um, and I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, (laughs) there's a, there's a way you teach a fifth grader versus the way you teach a kindergartner. It's very different. You're very on your feet all the time. Um, but I have, you know, taught older grades and I tend to get really attached to my students. And so whenever they, uh, you know, email me out of the blue or send me a message, it just, it, I can't help but like get all excited and warm inside because mm-hmm. you're like, wow, I must have made such an impact on this student for them to feel comfortable enough to share their um life and their achievements with me. And it just feels good. You know, it feels good to know that you were a part of their story. Definitely. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, is that something they, I guess, taught um, at Boston university for your degree, as far as like, do they give an idea on the different types of uh, ages you're going to be teaching with, with that? Cause how do you, I guess, how do you uh, transition in, into, you know, teaching from kindergarten to fifth grade? Or is it kind of just, um, you know, hit or miss experience? Um, so for, I mean, I can only speak for Texas because I know I got my undergrad here. And so um, their certifications are basically like if you, for, for example, for me, I'm, I'm art education. I got certified in my undergrad as K through 12. So I can teach any grade, kinder through, you know, 12th grade. Um, and all the lessons that we learn, all the classes that we take, it's all about flexibility and adaptability and about Um, what the students need based on their age, their grade, because every kid's going to need something different, right? So for example, a kindergartner can come to me and draw me a bouquet of blue and green roses. And I love it, right? Because it's their creativity, it's their imagination. Um, And then you'll have a senior who comes in and creates a gorgeous bouquet of roses. um, So realistic that you're like, wow, is this a picture? You know, but they're their mind is now different, right? Because they're giving you something that they have seen, um, that they've become familiar with. Right. And so I think the goal, um, as an art educator, um, is to, well, for me, um, is to keep their creativity and their imagination going, but at the same time, um, allow them to develop the the skills that they need to be able to produce whatever it is that their heart desires. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and really, I kind of want to ask on, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the drawings that you kind of see from kindergarten through fifth grade. I wanted to ask on, you know, has there been any moments where, um, you know, you, you saw someone draw like in, you know, in any of the grades and I guess you had to like sit down with them and uh, tell them that, you know, they were 
you know, uh, you know, they're possibly going to be a, you know, a top artist one day. Uh, has there been any just like where you're just blown away by the work? Yes. I mean, I think, I think that when it comes to being naturally uh, able to draw and paint and things like that, I do think that for some people it comes natural, you know, like maybe you might be good at sports or music, like it, you pick it up really quickly. Um, and it's not so much that I want to sit down with them and be like, oh my gosh, you're going to grow up and be this incredible artist. But it's definitely one of those things where it's like, wow, this is amazing. Tell me about your artwork. And I try to encourage them to continue because I think that if you build confidence in them, the more that they'll do it, the more that they'll believe in themselves, the more that um, it kind of just becomes a part of their everyday life. You know, I have some fifth graders who have been drawing every day since they were kindergartners. And gosh, if I showed you their artwork, you'd just be amazed. You know, you're like, how, how is this coming from a fifth grader? Um, but it's never been about my, me being like, you're going to grow up and be the next Picasso or you're going to grow up and be, <laughs> you know, all these things. It's more about um, they believe in themselves. You, they have this confidence like, yeah, I drew this. Like, look how exciting it is. And I can't wait to go home. And I'm going to I'm going to add a second chapter to my graphic novel that I'm creating. And it's that's what it, that's really what it comes down to. Right. That's like really where it starts. It's they all blow me away because everything that they draw or paint is some type of expression from within themselves. Um, so of course there's always a story being told. Um, but yes, there's definitely some kids who kind of just stand out and I don't want to make others feel bad. So it's mostly about like, just continue instilling the confidence in these students and saying, you're doing amazing things, keep going. Um, because sometimes really what they need is just someone to believe in them. Mm -hmm. No, that's definitely, uh, yeah, it's definitely really cool to hear. And I can imagine, um, you know, just people possibly having kind of the gift with that that was kind of uh really something i wanted to ask on um you know when i saw creators unite i saw some of the kind of the shirts that you guys were selling about uh creativity and you know it has creative and it has the definition and you know i see on the website where it kind of mentions kind of the definition behind creativity and that's really something i wanted to ask on because you know if someone asks me you know, what is like IQ or what's intelligence? I, I could possibly think of, you know, some of the things behind it. If someone asked me, like, logistically, like, explain what creativity is, it's kind of, you know, I'll hear some people say, well, it's like when you have that extra spark, but I'm like, cool, but what does that actually mean, you know, way? And it's kind of it. So I'm kind of like wondering on the definition behind creativity and also just, is creativity one of those things that just comes to you or is it something that, you know, can you improve your creativity? Can you like become more creative over time, like through techniques? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I kind of want to ask you on that. Um, I think the definition that we kind of came up with as a collective was um, just a person who gives their time and energy and talents because everybody's talented in some sort of arena, right? Um, to make the world a better place. Um, I do think that everyone is creative. I think that most of the time we find ourselves naturally curious. You know, there's so many things we want to explore. Um, we have these wild imaginations for like our life and the future. And I like to think that we're all hopeful that anything is possible. Um, I think being creative is a mindset. I think, like I said, I think we're all naturally creative. But if you're talking about specific ways to be more creative, just like every other skill, some people have more natural talent in certain areas. Um, but can you increase your creativity in a certain field? Absolutely. Just like anyone can increase their musical or athletic ability, 
Um, I think with appropriate training and focus practice, I think you can learn tools and techniques to obviously enhance that creativity. Um, and now we have access to like YouTube and Skillshare. And so if there's something that you're interested in, you know, it's just a click away, take a class, find some, you know, carve out 20 minutes in a day. And I think just practicing and focusing on it can really help people become more creative and it can be anything. It doesn't just have to be like, Oh, I want to be the next, you know, I want to do watercolor or I want to do cake decorating. I mean, it truly can be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, um, yeah, I guess I really didn't think on, um, you know, that you can improve it through, I guess, channels like YouTube and Skillshare, um, with that, but no, no, yeah, that's kind of something, you know, I just wondered on, on, uh, you know, I, I wondered if it was just something you naturally have, or if it's something you improve over time. And, uh, kind of with, uh, kind of back to the ISD, really when you're kind of, uh, teaching in, in that space, I, w- I kind of want to ask on, um, really specifically with teaching, uh, I guess with the, the effects of COVID-19, um, because I know, uh, you know, I knew some people that were doing like hybrid classes, some that were just doing 100% remote. So I wanted to kind of ask you on that, on, uh, how your situation was like. So I did per in person. Um, I've been in, I was in person all the way from August when school started. Um, and I can tell you that it was an adventure for sure. (laughs) Um, we didn't know what to expect. It was new for absolutely everyone in the building, right? Like none of us had taught through a pandemic before. We didn't know what was expected of us. We didn't know um, what it was going to look like. Um, but I like to think that we did the absolute best that we could, um, I definitely had my fair share of challenges, especially as an art teacher, not just myself, but my entire specials team. You know, we we were asked to go on a cart um, and visit the kids, you know, classroom to classroom. So that was definitely kind of a shocker for me because I had to leave my classroom um, behind and learn how to teach from just a small little rolling cart. Um, did I do it? Absolutely. <laughs> I think my whole goal and focus was like, just enjoy it. If you enjoy it, the kids will enjoy it, you know? Um, cause honestly, like when it came down to it, they didn't care. They were just like having fun, you know, they, they still got to do art. So it didn't matter whether they were doing it in their homeroom or whether they were doing it in the art class. Um, I will say that the last month of school, when we were finally able to get back into the classroom, I think it was just such a joyous experience for everybody. The kids were like, Oh my gosh, we love mm-hmm. being in the art room. And for me, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I literally cried the minute that the kids walked into my art room mm-hmm. from just like sheer excitement. Cause I was like, wow, I will never take my room or teaching these kids for granted because you never know when that rug could be pulled out from under you, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful to see them like laughing and enjoying themselves and, um, making messes on my table, you know, like that's my favorite part of the day. So, um, teaching during a pandemic in person was so hard. Um, and I like fully just like give all my love and support to everyone who, who did it. It didn't matter whether it was hybrid or if you, you know, did it hundred percent remote, it's hard. There are challenges in every arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that it impacted our students and our parents. Um, I saw this huge wave of appreciation for the arts Um, Like all of a sudden parents were like, oh my gosh, you know, my kids were so excited because we got to do these things that we didn't get to do before. And um, I don't know how you do it. And I was like, wow, (laughs) you know, thank you for for the validation. And, And it kind of reminds you like, 
during this pandemic, a lot of us, all we had was art, you know, and it didn't matter if it was like comic books or um, movies or just a pad of paper and a pencil or some chalk outside. Um, that was the thing that entertained us. That was the thing that kept us going. That was the thing that gave us hope. Um, and this year I did see this just huge wave of appreciation from both the students and the parents. Um, and it was beautiful to see them taking risks and trying new art mediums. Um, and I'm just excited because I think it became a part of their story, something that they did together, something that brought them closer. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to, you know, still teach and be able to do the things that I got to do this year. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I, I kind of want to ask like, um, you know, with your students, uh, luckily, you know, you've been able to teach in person and, um, you know, possibly not in the, the worst situation compared to, you know, maybe some other states. Um, but I was kind of wondering if, you know, how you feel, I guess the uh, Gen Z might come out of, uh, I, I guess, the kind of pandemic. Because I know like for my, you know, there, I mean, it was trouble all over, but I can imagine as a kid, it's just the worst situation is, you know, being in a lockdown and, you know, you're not able to hang out with your friends and like go out and things like, you know, a normal, it, it, it's bad on adults, but like, especially for, you know, any type of K through 12 kid. Mm -hmm. I witnessed, okay, so like kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for, you know, like they're so much more aware of the, what's happening in the world. Um, especially because they do have access to, to that information at their fingertips, you know, a lot more, it's a lot more easier for them than it was maybe for like me growing up. Um, but I will say the one thing that I noticed was community. I was surprised at how much they missed each other. Do you know what I mean? Cause like last March we went teaching remotely, right? So we weren't in person since last March. You know, I, we taught, we taught remotely May, um, April, May, and then we had summer and then we went back to in-person in August and it was so long for them that when they saw each other at school, it was like this whole, like, Whoa, I missed you. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. Like you're here in the flesh. But at the same time, they couldn't just hug each other, you know, and they couldn't just like high five each other and they couldn't do all these things. So all of a sudden, um, they're like, wait things are different, you know, cause they had to stay six feet apart. And, you know, we have all these rules that were in place. They had to wear masks. Um, and I think that our students are so resilient because they did it. It was hard. It was, I mean, if, if it's hard for the adults, imagine what it's like for the kids, right? Like we try to shelter them, but they are so much smarter than we give them credit for. These kids are literally living or growing up in history. Like their kids are going to, ask them about the pandemic and they're going to get to be like, yeah, I lived through that. You know, this is my experience. Um, I think that they are resilient. I think that they are brave. And I think that um, they're just strong. This generation is going to come out of this and be like, we survived that. We can survive anything. You know, we're the next generation. We're going to be doing amazing things. And I, and I truly do believe that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. No. And, uh, you know, it's really, uh, you know, it's awesome that kids are, you know, more perspectable just on, you know, being able to kind of go through the internet and have that kind of information. I, you know, wanted to, you know, start touching up on, uh, really creatives unite and, um, you know, how kind of you started it. And, uh, you know, I kind of saw on 
that shout out DFW post that, you know, he kind of talked about uh, being a teacher by day and kind of an activist by night. And so, yeah, I kind of want to ask on, you know, the start of Greatest Unite and uh, kind of what led to that idea. Um, you know, I think the the want for change started when I was in my undergrad. I was part of a uh, community called the Teaching Artist Network. Um, and we were kind of just like art teachers that would get together and um, we were trying to figure out like, okay, well, how do we deliver art to the community? And it was very small, you know, like Denton. We, we were just thinking about Denton. Mm-hmm. And then um, we proposed ideas like, why don't we read at the library and do free, you know, art classes for them? And we started partnering up with people and it started kind of having this momentum. And then when I graduated, it kind of just was like, okay, what's next? And I remember telling my husband, um, I want to do this more. Like, this is not enough for me. I don't just want to leave college and be like, okay, that was a small little thing I did. There's so many needs in the community and I want to try to fill them. So, um, as I was getting my master's, I decided why not add one more thing to my, to my, to my list of things to do. So I decided to start the nonprofit Creatives Unite with the sole purpose that um, we would use art to, to serve the community. You know, we would find ways to use art as a platform to give back. Um, and it's, you know, it, it started with just me. Right. And then slowly Um, my art teacher friends and then other people started helping out like, Hey, I'm a graphic designer. I can help with this. Or, Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm an educator. I can help with these things. Um, And it slowly started to get momentum, which is great because we don't have any donors, right? Everything we do is just strictly like whatever we, whatever funds we raise. Um, And I started to notice like, for me, there's just so many movements that are so near and dear to my heart that, um, I just want to give back, you know, I want to give back where I can, even if it's something small. Um, so for example, um, the animal shelters, we started painting pet portraits and giving them to people whenever they would come and adopt a pet. Um, Mm. and that actually turned out to be one of our biggest, uh, fundraising, um, goals. I started painting them and people, started asking like, Hey, would you paint one for my pet? Even though they had already adopted it, would you paint one for my pet? You know, I'll, I'll pay you for the painting. And it became this thing where, um, in a small course of time, we had paintings that were being shipped like all across the U S and the money that we raised from that, we were able to complete an entire wish list for one of our children advocacy centers that we sponsor. Um, and that just made my heart burst, you know, cause at Christmas time, you're able to go in and like drop off all these things. And, Honestly, it's like one of the most rewarding feelings in the world. Um, same thing. We were able to raise funds and buy a lot of art supplies for the Cook's Children's Cancer Wing in Fort Worth. And that just made my heart so happy because to know that they're getting to draw and color and do all of these things and you were able to provide that for them. It just, it's overwhelming. Um but yeah, we started off really small and my graphic designer friends um, kind of designed our t-shirts and we started selling them. And that's another big uh, place where we get our funds. So that money goes back into the community as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Is there, I guess, any really after kind of pandemic and, you know, with 2020 being, you know, a huge year and kind of police brutality and all these new protests, is there any kind of future social causes that you possibly see yourself really wanting to be a part of, uh, you know, with, um, you know, with your projects and being able to help out with? 
Um, yes, I, I hope so. There are so many things that we feel really strongly about. Um, we're so passionate about so many things, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many past cultural movements that have inspired us to do what we're doing. Um, we see the injustices in the world. Like we know they exist and we're trying to bring change, even if at the moment it feels really, really small. Um, we're just trying to help where we can. Um, yes, this past year, all these movements just kind of, you know, the thing, the common thread is that visual art was such a big part of like the movements, right? So you see these signs and you see these shirts and you see this artwork that's being produced and you're like, wow, it's like a mirror for the movement, right? It, it, it makes you feel things. You're like, yes, you know, um, and I love that. I love that it's allowing people to connect to that movement. And I hope that um, if people locally have some type of movement that they want help with, I hope that they'll, you know, they'll call us and be like, hey, would you, you know, help us with this? Because we do, we, we don't mind helping. If there's a need, we obviously want to fill it. You know what I'm saying? Um, just, and this is just a shout out because I'm so like mesmerized by them. I, I don't know if you've heard of Feed the People Dallas. Um, they oh, are, yeah, in, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I am like, they are the future, right? <laughs> so, um, they are so rooted in their mission and they represent these incredible, diverse individuals that are doing these incredible things and giving back. And they are so focused on their mission. And I love that about them. And I think what, um, I'm so proud of as far as like our volunteers and our organization is that we can give, we can give funds to, people like that. And we can give funds to other people who are also doing incredible things. Um, so we raise money and then we share that because that's really what it's about, right? Like you support other people who are doing their best to support a movement. So I do think that there's a lot of movements that we want to be a part of. Um, and I hope that, um, we can find opportunities to be able to give back, um, in a way that's beneficial to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of movements, I, I know with one of the projects, I, I was saying on your LinkedIn um, page, something about uh, the birthday party project. And I, I didn't know what that was. So um, there's the birthday party project in Dallas. They throw these incredible birthday parties um, for the children from under, you know, from underserved populations. Um, and so when I was in our undergrad, we got to get together and we, we were able to go to these parties and do like face painting and photography and, um, sort of like the mission behind creatives unite where we kind of just use our skills and our time and our talents to uh, make better days ahead. So it was just a big group of us and we would go down to wherever they needed us. It didn't matter if it was this weekend or that weekend, we'd go down and we would do face painting for the kids and we would take pictures of them and we would hang out with them and just kind of make that celebration um, as special as we could. I mean, we felt so lucky to be a part of that and to be invited to that. Um, and I feel like that that's really ultimately at the end of the day, like my biggest goal is to work alongside other individuals and just um, spread joy to all these people who really deserve it. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely a really cool project to kind of be a part. And uh, I guess with at, with all these different types of uh, activism projects that you want to be a part of, is there, uh, I guess, a lot of um, uh, interchangeable, or is there a lot of uh, overlapping between 
I guess the artists and the graphic designers that you normally were kind of networking with, with, I guess, activism or, um, you know, I guess with uh, people who are more involved with activism roles, um, you know, is there a lot of overlapping between those two demographics or, you know, was there, I guess, a process as far as trying to network and meet um, people within activism? Yeah, I think it first started with, um, okay, let's figure out like who, uh, let's network, right? Let's figure out who's doing these things and then let's reach out and see, okay, what do they need, right? That's sort of how it started. And then in the process, we started getting volunteers and they knew people who knew people and like, hey, so-and-so needs funds for this and like, hey, so-and-so needs funds for this. like, And then all of a sudden it became, um, okay, so we know that there's an issue. How do we figure it out and how do we go from here? Um, our demographics are diverse, you know, we help wherever we can. Um, and I love that. Uh, obviously I would love to help more. Um, but I, I'm understanding that it's like a ripple effect, right? (laughs) So we got to start small and eventually, hopefully one day, you know, we'll have these huge waves of change. Um, but I'm, I'm super proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Um, and I'm even more excited about what the future holds for us. Yeah, definitely. And re- really, to kind of wrap this up, I wanted to ask on, um, you know, some of the, you know, some of the awards that kind of saw on the, uh, I-, I believe you're sending more personal art page, and some of the kind of awards that you've been uh, noticed with. And I wanted to kind of ask, was it? I guess a bigger movement uh, moment getting um, a couple of the teacher of year awards I saw you received, or was it a bigger moment receiving that Dr. Glenda Brock Simmons community service award? Uh, I guess one kind of um, noticing your teaching abilities and the way you influence children and um, one kind of noticing, you know, your actual activism and uh, you know, how you kind of shaped your local community. Oh, that's so hard to choose. <laughs> you know, each award means something so special to me, especially at a at a time and place in my life. They all represent a different t- chapter, and it's just hard to pick one because, you know, like you just said, um, one is my career. Um, and to be chosen by my peers and students means the world to me because it validates the hard work that goes, that goes into what I do every day. Um, but then the second one represents my, my passion, right, which is to bring art into the community and use it for change and raise awareness. Um, about, you know, bringing the people together. So it's so hard because uh, one is a representation of what I do on the daily, right? Like I wake up and this is my career. And then the other one's what I hope to continue to accomplish. Um, do I have to pick one? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can leave it like that. Okay. <laughs> no. And uh, yeah, I guess to, um, yeah, I, I guess to kind of uh, as a final question on, Really, if there's any, I guess, upcoming projects or, um, you know, ongoing initiatives that you wanted to kind of bring up, because uh, I know with your page that, you know, you're very open to uh, volunteers. So if there's anything, you know, you want to bring up that someone might possibly be interested in jumping on and helping out with. Yeah. So our next goal um Right now, we're in the planning process is to try to bring art workshops to free, free art workshops to um, underserved populations. So I'm hoping to um, connect with like Boys and Girls Club and um, 
oh my goodness, I'm going blank, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like Salvation Army and things like that and try to come up with ways where we can have free classes to the community. So like the kids can come and make art with us for a couple of hours, because I do think that sometimes, especially in the summer, um, parents are working multiple jobs and kids don't really have a lot to do, or this might be a great opportunity for them um, to learn, right. To learn new skills and, and network and communicate. So I'm hoping um, to get that going where we can start having like monthly classes in these, in these different populations and start giving back to the local uh, community because it all started, you know, with free art workshops when I started many years ago. And I hope to continue that and um, really dive into that because I'd love to be able to give back, especially as an art teacher and as, you know, the founding member of uh, Creatives Unite. Mm Mm-hmm. No, no, definitely. Uh, you know, I really encourage anyone that uh, sees that we're definitely going to post the links on the episode. And anyone that's, you know, interested on going into one of the existing volunteer opportunities, as well as uh, with any of those upcoming projects, really, I, you know, definitely encourage for anyone to get involved, whether it's, you know, from, uh, you're from an art background, activism background, or just, from any background in general. But yeah, thank you again, Cindy, for helping me out with this episode and having the conversation on, you know, just art and activism and how Creatives Unite, uh, you know, has been doing. Thank you so much for having me. I loved being able to spend the morning talking with you. Yeah, definitely. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Platinum Mask Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through the PlatinumMask.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at GrayMask12. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through maskgrayson at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, raise a glass to success, no matter how you define it.